Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today we are joined by the wonderful Asher Grodman to talk all about CBS's series Ghosts. Uh, and I was I was interested in kind of the the journey of shaping this character because you're playing a character who obviously had a very you know rich and fruitful life for himself on Earth before passing away, but then up until the point where we meet him in the show, has spent you know twenty odd years in a very stagnant place of monotony where nothing new has really happened in the day to day until this couple moves into this house um and so i was really fascinated in how you wanted to create this character and kind of like that place of stasis that he's been in for so long when we meet him in the show so that then you could kind of take those elements and and really play around with it once things start being shaken up a little bit for him yeah for sure um i i I mean you said it better than than i could um he's basically like had this wild adventure of a life and then and then has been trapped in a room in stagnation for 20 years. Uh, and when Sam shows up, I mean, anyone could have shown up, but when Sam shows up, who's for Trevor is such a hottie, uh, he's like, it's like, like 20 Christmases come late and he's Jewish. So that's really saying something. Um, it's, you know, it, it, for me, when I read it, I, I'm sure there was like, I can't remember now, but I'm sure, it was described as douchey and stuff like that. And, and a lot of that stuff, like that world that he comes from has uh, a judgment on it and things like that and the kind of style, quote unquote, culture. But for me, uh, I always saw him as like a puppy who's just looking to have a good time, but no one's been paying attention to him for 20 years. <laughs> and, uh, and so for me, that makes, you know, yes, there are comments, he's got some lessons to learn, but that makes him for me endearing um and uh, the pilot sets it up brilliantly i mean he has that moment where like suddenly someone's seeing him for the first time and he's over the moon and i I think that's a great point about you know he he is a redeemable character he's not just a complete kind of like wall street douchebag and so you do get to really kind of take him on that arc and like if we look at the episode where you know he's he's unwittingly been catfishing Jay's sister. When he actually talks to her, he still objectifies her, but he also says some really kind of connected things. And it's very clear that that did actually mean something to him. Um, And was that something that you had a kind of clear idea of at the beginning that within the scripts that this was a character that you were able to take on that journey and that you were really able to kind of create a bit of an evolution and an arc for throughout the series? Yeah, I mean, when you start um in this process we don't know what's coming just like you guys we find out a little bit before you do but we still don't know where we're going at the beginning of the the season so um the writers have done an amazing job of setting up this journey that has both been incredibly surprising for us and then hopefully surprising for you guys but also um really uh in tuned with the kind of collaborative voice that we're finding for these characters um and that's not I mean, that's every i mean there's a there's a i don't know how much you've seen but there's an episode where uh there's a relationship between thor and hetty that hetty was completely unaware of which i feel like you could have a hundred uh, hundreds of people pitch ideas and no one will come up with something that clever and that sweet i won't give it away but um because of the the, the show we're doing we can kind of go anywhere. Um, so yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence in, in where we're going and what we're doing. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah. And you were you were talking before about how he's this guy who's been in this room for 20 years and and kind of just doesn't feel like people have really been paying attention to him or or listening to him. And that's also played very comedically. There's all these instances where he's throwing out references to things, you know, he's he's dropping like, oh, I was at a P. Diddy party, but no one in the room knows what that reference is. But he also doesn't help himself because he doesn't pause to kind of give them any contextualization. He's not trying to explain it to them either. Um, but you play it with like such kind of like furor and commitment to like the absurdity of everything that he's bringing in and dropping because these are obviously all also real references of things from the 90s that the audience are very familiar with. Um, and so how did you set about finding the the comedic space of, of that real commitment, but getting nothing in return from everybody else in the room? Well, I've never done a comedy before. This is my first uh, experience doing any of this. So um, I guess there are a couple of things. One is I'm surrounded by some really great people, really great writers, and the cast is just incredible. And we've had wonderful directors. So there's that. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, the story is just really well uh, crafted. Um, it comes down to what's my relationship with these people that I'm talking to. And, and just to say, Trevor would probably love nothing more than to give a two hour sermon on his adventures. The problem is that, uh, <laughs> no, like he could have won the Super Bowl and it would mean nothing to these people. Like something that you dedicated your whole life to because of, you know, the nature of time and history, like people just don't care. You're just like brought down to, um, to size, which I think makes all of these characters really relatable because all, I mean, Isaac trying to explain to us him, his feud with Hamilton. And we're like, yeah, but he's on a bill and you're who? <laughs> so I think it's, you know, it, it speaks to humanity and then that's always relatable. And you bring up the writing and one of the, the genius aspects is is the way that every character is written with kind of their own form of language specific to yeah. the time period from which they come. And and so for you, kind of what were kind of the key aspects of, of Trevor's dialogue and the way that he speaks that you really honed in on? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, first of all, so Trevor would be older than I am now, but uh, there's three things. Um, one is the stuff that he lived is the stuff that I, as a little kid was watching. So the people who went to the white party or people like he references Seinfeld, like his first, one of his first few lines is watching his Seinfeld. And I was watching that as a kid. Right. And then the other thing that he has is, and being Jewish, like I'm outrageously lucky that I get to play a character who's Jewish because growing up, like. They, I didn't have any Jew. I was like talking to my parents. I was like, is there any chance that Batman's Jewish? And they were like, no, <laughs> there's no chance. Um, so there's a lot of like overlap there um, in a world that I knew from afar. And then a kind of uh, perspective on the world that I understood from just being Jewish. And then also like I went to an Ivy League school. Um, I was going to be an actor. So <laughs> I knew I had years of unemployment ahead of me, but there were lots of guys there who knew they were going to go to, you know, Lehman Brothers, JP Morgan, whatever, you know, Bank of America. Um, and, uh, and so there's a, there's a point of view on the world that I, I had been around and I had seen. And it's, it, there's also a lot of comedy in the types of things that he finds entertaining, you know, for all of them, just 
purely because when you step back and you think about what the day-to-day has been, the fact that there's not really many people coming in and out of this house. So for him, you know, watching a guy on a ladder and waiting to see if he falls off the ladder is probably the highlight, not even just of his day, but his week, maybe even his month. Um, and so what are some, some kind of like the comedic moments that you enjoy mining for in terms of thinking, not what is objectively funny to the audience, but what's funny to Trevor? Yeah, that's, oh, that's good. Um, yeah, there's something great about like watching eight bored people, you know, stuck for eternity. Uh, it's very, you know, the conceit of the show is brilliant in that way. Um, in terms of stuff that I find very funny is any any chance, like there's a moment in a recent episode that you've alluded to where he is asking um, someone to send him news, right? And uh, that's a pretty, uh, you know, <laughs> you can make a lot of a lot of just uh, judgments on his request and the timing of that request and who he's asking that of. But um, you can also look at that and say, like, he looks at this in like a uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed thing. Like, it would be great if you could. And that's the thing about all these characters, right? Is that we are, if we were a threat to you in life, right? Like, Thor is a hulking deadly Viking who is now completely uh, um, has no powers, you know, can do nothing. I was probably, I probably would have offended so many people around me. And now all I can do is like move an object, like a centimeter if I try really, really hard. And I'm already objective because I'm not wearing pants. So there's a reversal in every single thing that we've done. And then the other stuff that I love is finding just those little moments, uh, relating to the other, the other ghosts there's a there's a moment of the pilot where i flick pete's arrow and it was just something that we were messing around and 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 uh and playing with it and it ended up in the in the show i that's one of my favorite moments i love it because there's so much storytelling and relationship stuff in that um i love those there's a moment where um in the halloween episode where hetty is <laughs> bragging about her ankles and i just kind of lean in a little bit and check her out and it's you know it, those little things that speak to the relationship that these people have formed over the years, that's the stuff that I enjoy the most. And since you brought up, you know, Trevor's one power is that he can he can move something ever so slightly with the utmost of effort. Uh, you know, those scenes, every single time we see him do it, it's it's funny in different ways because you're always kind of finding the different humor within the scene. It's not, this is always the way it's gonna play out for him. Sometimes it's a little harder. Sometimes what he's trying to do is funnier for certain mm -hmm. reasons. Um, and There's so a great how, one coming up in the next yeah. episode you're gonna see is my favorite of all of okay. them. I'll keep I'll keep an eye out for that that movement. Um, but I wanted to ask about filming those scenes and kind of always working to find not just like the comedy overall of the idea of wouldn't it be funny if he's trying to push something and he can't really move it very much, but how you find the different ways to continue playing that that same idea. You know, you actually honestly, you, you put it better than I probably ever could. It all comes down to the situation, the relationship, because like the for the one of the pilot is. Uh, First, it starts off as like a uh, a kind of a point of pride, you know, and then he fails and then it's a point of like vengeance. Right. And uh, and then Pete gets involved in that one. And so that interaction with Pete and I, um, <laughs> Pete's like being a cheerleader and, and supporting me on this quest. But he's also kind of his presence is, is annoying Trevor. And so there's that. And then a few episodes later, it's a completely different situation because now like Isaac needs a favor. 
you know, and the relationship with Isaac is different than the relationship with, uh, with Pete. Um, and as the season goes on, and, you know, then Sass needs a favor. Then everyone needs favor. Then suddenly I'm like, I'm getting abused and objectified for having this power. And it's like, so the situations are all different, but then like there's the Shawshank redemption esque, you know, uh, journey with the dating app. Um, so it's amazing to me how the writers go back to the same well and keep finding different ways to do it, which then makes my job so much easier. And is there an interesting aspect as an actor to be working on a show where you can't really kind of rely on or interact with props or objects, you know, outside of the moments where he he's trying to push or touch something, there's really no interaction because ghosts can't pick up and handle objects in any way. There are the two things that we probably, I actually feel like we've beaten uh, that the impulse to play with props has been beaten out of us at this point, which maybe it'll be a problem on the next job uh, that any of us do. But yeah, the, it, like leaning on things, like establishing the rules of the world. Where can we sit? Where can we lean? What can we touch? I can put my elbow on a couch, but like I can't, you know, got to make sure that, that you know, uh, just technically like not, something's not moving underneath me. So there's a lot of work that goes into that. The other thing that's the biggest just like physical thing is making sure that I don't have a wardrobe malfunction, which takes a lot more effort than you, you'd think. Uh, I got a lot of respect for ladies in miniskirts. I did, I did not understand. I did not know. I'm sorry. I never understood. With that aspect of figuring out the rules of engagement when it comes to objects and, and other people, um, were there other elements as well that you really had to kind of like figure out and understand the rules of engagement for, for him as a ghost that inf infiltrate into other aspects of, of what you're having to figure out within scenes as well? Yeah, there are rules, subtle things, like you're watching a scene and something's happening in front of you and the human in impulse is to like whisper to someone like, is that what just happened, right? But you remember, oh, I'm a ghost. <laughs> they can't hear me. I could be screaming at the top of my lungs. No one's going to hear me. So it ends up just being the rules of the world type of stuff um, more, than, more than anything else, uh, which is actually a lot of fun to play with those things because with any kind of limitation or obstacle come a lot, many more choices that you couldn't make otherwise. <laughs> And obviously you were touching there on the fact that, you know, it's fairly obvious that your character is wearing no pants throughout the entire series. And, and that's going to be a continued thing for him um, because of how he died. And, you know, with what you were saying earlier in the conversation about being, this being the first time that you were coming into to a comedy show, I know you've mentioned that actually playing a character where you knew that you weren't going to be wearing any pants was kind of a good shield to some of the nerves in a weird way, because, yeah. you know, there's that idea of, well, I'm showing up in a, in a show in, in just a suit and there's no pants with it that's objectively funny in itself so there's already a comedic element the moment that I appear on screen and so how did that kind of help you in overcoming some of the nerves of, of stepping into doing something different for the first time as an actor you ask amazing questions you, these are like uh, you you are asking and answering the questions better than I ever could you're absolutely right the pants most people I think are like, oh, God, that must be terrifying. And it is actually the greatest comfort I could ask for because I, I can just get in. I mean, I'm not wearing any pants. Anything I say is ridiculous because I'm not wearing any pants. Um, and, and that goes for also making him not, you know, it helps in, in making him human. It, I remember um, 
because we I, I we I booked this thing in March of 2020, and then I was in LA to shoot the pilot, and then you know the Friday before the Monday we were supposed to start shooting, the world shut down, and we all were sent home, uh, which was miserable after like 20 years of or 18 years of unemployment to <laughs> have your dream, and then it stripped away. Uh, was frustrating, but I spent those next 11 months uh, waiting to see if, or no, it wasn't 11 months. I guess that was uh, March to December. So um, uh, whatever that was, six or something, nine. nine. Um, I spent those months uh, thinking, okay, okay, calm down, calm down. You're not gonna wear any pants. So you don't have to worry about being funny. But then suddenly when the night before the shoot happened and I was the first scene up at like 4 a.m. on a Monday and I had only been around like three human beings <laughs> <laughs> since March because of quarantine. I was like, oh, I'm going to be in front of a room of 100 people without any pants on. And then I was walking around the hotel room without my pants on, running lines and, you know, trying to get comfortable with what that would mean. Uh, but yeah, it's like getting in a pool. Um, once you get past the initial shock, then you're a cold pool. <laughs> <laughs> then you're in the pool for the rest you're of the fine. Then you're in the pool forever, yeah. And I wanted to talk about the the ensemble nature of this show because it is yeah. such a great cast ensemble piece. And and whenever you come onto a new show and you're working with new people for the first time, a lot of that's about figuring out everybody's rhythm. And, and within this, it's also the different characters, their voices, but also the different comedic sensibilities and timings that people bring as well. Um, and so was just interested in hearing a little bit about how you kind of all came together and figured out what that group collaborative style was going to be because there's so many large ensemble scenes throughout the entire show because they really kind of move around as like this whole collective hive throughout the house most of the time. Yeah. Um, that's, that's probably the hardest and most exhilarating part of the job is, uh, is the kind of, yeah, it's just, it's, it's working amid, in an ensemble. And, and for me, I think for a lot of us, discovering what is the difference between a shot that has four of us in it versus a shot that has six of us in it versus a shot that has two of us in it, right? Because we're simultaneously individuals and also an eight-limbed character, right, with all the ghosts. So how do we um, not step on other people's jokes? How do we set each other up? Um, how do you tell a story that... Uh, is responsible to the overall story we're telling, but also be true to kind of what your point of view is within that thing and balancing those two. And the success of that has come down to, in the beginning, some really great directors, uh, Trent O'Donnell, who directed the first, uh, uh, I guess, five episodes, was really brilliant with that. Um, the writers have written, um, set us up really well. But then above all, it's been the ensemble of these 10 people uh, and we just became friends. And a lot of that was sitting in uncertainty for two years <laughs> in the midst of a pandemic. But we just became friends who we could go to each other and look, if I have a, uh, I have a thought or I have a question about a scene, I'm going to grab Brandon, I'll grab Richie, I'll grab, you know, I'll grab whoever's around and be like, hey, what do you think about this? And bounce it off of them. And um, So there's a collaborative, egoless process that I think is also very rare. And we are outrageously lucky for it. Um, cause everyone is part of this cast wants to be there and loves being there. And that's, uh, yeah, that is pretty good. It's pretty great. 
And because obviously so much of, of working with scene partners is about the act of listening and, and really kind of taking in what they're saying and what they're doing. But then on the flip side, you're playing this character, Trevor, who isn't really always listening to what's going on when other people are talking to him. You know, he's kind of thinking how he can pivot it back to himself. And so what's it like playing in scenes where you're trying to really actively listen to and pay attention to your scene partners, but playing a character who is the complete antithesis of that and, and doing the exact opposite? Uh, it's hard. And, and you know, there's sometimes I do better than others. Um, it's certainly hard. The, 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 the great news is that usually, even if, even if you are not interested in what someone is saying to you, but if you have something that you want to say to them, your focus can be right there because then you're just looking for an opportunity. I got to tell you though, in my opinion, uh, the hardest gig on the show is what Flower has to do. And Sheila Carrasco is amazing at it because she's like in our world, but also like off in her own world. And how you keep that through line going is, I mean, she's a magician. Um, yeah, and then also, I mean, consider that, well, I'm just, uh, what Rose does, uh, without Rose and Utkarsh, we can't do any of this stuff, right? Because Rose's ability to do a scene with eight of us in it, and then us all to leave her to do these ghostless passes and come back and do it as though we're still there when we're not. And then Utkarsh's ability to be in a scene with nine people and only see one of them. And some of us are yelling and he, he never flinches. He never has a response. I mean, it, it's just, everyone's so talented. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty remarkable when you, when you step back and you look at the detailing of what everybody's bringing to the screen and how all those scenes come together. And it's been such a delight hearing all about this. Congratulations on the season two pickup. Very excited that we're going to get more of the series. Thank you so much, Asher. Thank you so much. I'm, uh, I, you know, it's a dream come true and it's wonderful to talk to you about it.